Listen to the Rewinding Minute with Leon. The following episode is commercial-free, courtesy of the listener support contributions to the Rewinding Minute. Please consider contributing to the podcast to help us remain commercial-free. Thank you for tuning in to episode 27 of the Rewinding Minute. I'm your host, Leon, and I'm joined by Jane Mason. Hey. So this has been an interview that's been long in the works. Uh, and you know how when we're traveling and we're doing work in our personal lives, our schedules are always compact and busy. But uh, we've finally been able to get Jane on the podcast. We've been trying to get Jane on the podcast for a while. And I think that you'll have a lot to learn because we haven't had someone who's focused in this area in terms of art and also with her expertise in this field. I think you'll have a lot to learn about just art. So without further ado, here's Jane. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we start diving into those questions? Yeah, sure. Uh, hey, Leon, and great to uh, finally uh, be in a time zone that connects both of us. <laughs> um, just to give everybody a little bit uh, to more background on what I, what I do, who I am, where I'm from. Um, Mixed media artist is probably how I'm best known. I work uh, mainly on large scale with sculptures and artworks. Typically, I work by commission only. Uh, the reason being for this is how I started uh, in this industry oh, nearly 18 or 19 years ago uh, was I love to produce beautiful things. And many there are so many incredibly talented people out there without a doubt there's so many beautiful artworks out there and a lot of them are hanging on the inside of artists studio walls right. uh, and as an artist or as a creative whether you're creating music or creating artwork it's often about the connection that you make with a person after or during the creation of it and when I was uh, working full-time I was painting uh, as a what would be known today as a side hustle, and the work didn't wasn't always getting to the people. It was it was hanging on my walls. So what I basically did was undid the package of what it is to be an artist and said, how can I how can I create artwork that makes people's homes beautiful, uh, meets my need of being a creative, right. and gives me a living. Uh, that's where my marketing background came in. Uh -huh. And I looked at working on commission only, but through a through a process. So where I connect with people and and I ask them about what they're looking for and create it bespoke. So right now in this world today, it doesn't necessarily sound highly original. But when we're talking twenty years ago, nobody was doing it. If you spoke to a commission artist, it was because you wanted a portrait of your cat or your dog or, you know, Grandma Jo. Uh, so at the time I was digitally imposing images that I was creating through Adobe Photoshop onto people's walls, giving them numerous options and then fine-tuning and fine-tuning. And what it meant was that at the end of the day, the, the, the clients that I worked with had no surprises. Um, I knew what I was creating and I was able to put my whole heart and soul in it without anything nagging in my mind that they weren't going to like it because I knew they were already in love with the piece before I put the paint on the canvas. Uh, and then as time 
as uh, my company grew and as uh, my reputation grew and we moved our base from Auckland, New Zealand to Hong Kong uh, because of a need. Uh, we expanded from artworks into sculptures. The sizes grew from, you know, just a metre by a metre to three metres by six metres or three metres by ten metres or sculptures that weighed a tonne and a half. Um, and the team has grown at times to 12 to 15 people in my studio working me when I'm working with me when I'm working on projects for the likes of the Four Seasons or Shangri-La or any of the major luxury hotels. So I expand and contract my business uh, as I need to, meaning that I can pull from a pool of creatives that can come in and work with me and we can create beautiful things together. The client gets beautiful artwork often within the budget that they require and everyone's happy just like that you know it's all it's one of those things where you know you you plan you execute and you really do a lot of communicating throughout the process so like what's your you know actual experience prior to when you started your career in your business in your company uh did you go to school for art did you go to school for marketing did you have any uh education a degree that tied into your career or did you learn that all by yourself <laughs> oh so many stories i could tell you um or well, actually that's why i when i was at high school uh i was specializing in arts and right. uh, the last year of high school it's kind of a funny story the last year of high school the uh i was at norville and they gave some of us option that we could do some of things down at the neighbouring uh, boys' school. Naturally, as a 17-year-old girl, yes, pick me, I'm, I'm pretty keen. Um, so I ended up doing all my art studies down at the, uh, at the high school. And when it came time to putting the portfolio in, the sculpture teacher and the art teacher took me aside and said to me, look, we just want to give you a heads up, Jane. At the time, the year before, my art marks had been high enough to get me university entrance on them uh, but they took me aside in this final year and said we want to give you a heads up you're going to either fail miserably or pass the flying colors but we want to prepare you for both inevitabilities sure enough the marks came failed miserably um, I think I got 41% in sculpture and maybe 39% in art, uh, which I look back now and find kind of entertaining and almost somewhat typical of, of how you hear out there that people who haven't necessarily fitted into the mainstream find another avenue to go forward and, and create, as it were. Um, so I looked at those marks and I looked at where I was at and, and personally I was working a lot. I'd started, I started working, uh, gosh, I probably started my first side hustle when I was 12 where I was uh, drawing, doing fine drawings, yes. uh, just yes. little cards with envelopes and I would knock door to door and sell them for a, a, few bucks a, a few bucks a bag. I was making a bit of money on it though, you know, I was only 12 at the time, it was 20 years ago and then some. Um, people would buy from this girl who was knocking at the door. Uh, so I was, as I left school, I was 
working behind the camera, I was working in front of the camera, I was working for a concert promotion company, I was working in a health food shop, I was working with the artwork. Uh, and I looked at university, so we've got a fine arts university here in Auckland and we've also got a practical polytechnic. Looked at the polytechnic and said, I think I'll choose there because it's more hands-on. And looked at going there to do a fine arts degree. Lasted three days and decided that I really, really wanted to keep working. Uh, what I really liked about being out in the workforce is obviously we get paid as a student, you're big borrowing and stealing. And I like the exposure out to the real world. Went to my head of uh, head of of the department and said, "Hey, look, this is uh, this is what I'm doing. I'm working part time. At the time, I was working on television programs here in New Zealand, and I really feel like this brings more to me as a person, as an artist. You know, I'm going to keep this going. You know, and I will keep up my studies as well." The dean at the time said to me, "Hey, look, now that we hear that." Um, if you don't have a 99% attendance rate, we will fail you. Wow. Wow. Well, that was really all the impetus I needed to say thank you, but no thank you. Um, whereupon I left the arts degree and went into the workforce full time. Um, and kept on creating. And then and also on the side started studying a business degree. During the process of doing sales and marketing and moving from through different jobs uh, as I was, you know, exploring the marketplace as a, as a youngster, it didn't take me long to learn that I like to hunt. Um, I really like to meet people's needs. I like to find a problem and fix it for them. Uh, and I guess this is how the idea of what I'm doing now, how that came about, because often the problem is People have a space, they want to fill it. They can't necessarily source it. Galleries have an incredible a range of work, but it's sometimes a little bit too big or a little bit too small, or maybe the color's not quite right. And there's a lot of people out there that are artists, and there's a very wide range in when it comes to quality when you look at artwork. Um, and it's about how you find it and how it fits to your need, whether it's a commercial need or a, a design need or a residential need. Uh, so to develop my skills as an artist, what I did was sought out highly skilled professionals from New Zealand and asked them if they would give me some time and I would pay them per the, per the hour to teach me their technique. I didn't want to take any of their ideas. I didn't want to to learn how to copy, what I wanted to learn was how to produce beautiful artwork with good product in a concise amount of time. So basically a four-year arts degree is, has been done in very concise amounts of time across the years uh, so that I could get the skills without having to lose a chunk of my life in terms of doing so. So, Does that answer your question? Yes, I appreciate you know the hustle because most people you know in the you know past and present day would you know stick it out you know go through their studies uh, consecutively and just kind of follow a, a program that is designed to kind of give them. But you kind of did it on your own note, and that gives you a lot of power because you can do it on your own time. 
and you can take exactly what you need instead of taking things that might not benefit you uh, during that process. So you're, have you, how, do you have more than one studio or are you based in New Zealand and Hong Kong? Like what's the. I have a studio in Hong Kong and a studio in New Zealand. So okay. I basically, I toggle between Hong Kong and New Zealand. At the moment, uh, the majority of my work is created in New Zealand. Yes. Uh, uh, because that's where my base is. I've also got a couple of kids and a um, and a husband too. Um, so this is where my, this is where my heart is. Well, that's not quite true. My heart's also in Hong Kong because I adore Hong Kong. So I, I move between the two. Right. So how, how did you deal with, what, made, what inspired you to open a studio in Hong Kong? And how is the culture different from New Zealand and other countries you've been to for work? Okay, so we moved to Hong Kong. It was about, uh, gosh, it would have been nearly 15 years ago now that I was contacted through someone in Hong Kong and asked to submit designs for the new Four Seasons Hotel that was opening up there. Uh, and they needed a commission artist. Right. And it was an outstanding opportunity for me. My, my designs were chosen. And that was really my springboard into, onto the international platform. Uh, I think during that process, I maybe created, I guess, probably around about the 800 mark in terms of 800 limited edition artworks that went into every second floor in some of the rooms. Right. And uh, at that time, I'd been doing a range of artworks for a furniture, uh, a furniture brand here in New Zealand. We were doing a new range every season. Uh, so I already had the idea, I already had artists uh, and skilled technicians that were working for me. Uh, it just meant that we expanded uh, very quickly, almost overnight, uh, in order to meet a need uh, for the Hong Kong Four Seasons. Um, and then based on that, I went up for the opening of it. And I'd actually been offered a, a position in New York at the time uh, in a marketing company. Wow. And... Yeah, it was a really tough call to make, but we were standing at, Steve and I were standing in Hong Kong looking out at the harbour and there's something about Hong Kong. It's just such an incredible city. The business is tough, but it's fair. Uh, the, people are, the people are good, the people are kind. The city has a, a buzz to it. It has a, a brilliance to it that for me is almost an addiction. Um, the language is difficult, but I'm mastering it slowly. Um, so at the time we stood there, we looked at the other and said, New York or Hong Kong? The idea was that we were going to live the dream. We were going to Greece to live the dream. Uh, so we decided that we would I would let the New York opportunity go and we would look to, to spend some time in Hong Kong and see if we could develop my business up there. Uh, and from there, I did quite a large exhibition with a design expo and met some significant players in the Hong Kong design industry and really built myself up as a, as a artist and as a designer and a consultant, but rather than charging consultancy fees and rather than, than pulling from a pool of artists, the 
bonus was the designers were speaking directly to the artist and they knew that I would deliver the product on time as I said, when I said, how I said. So my goal has always been that there's been no surprises. I love surprises, but only on my birthday and Christmas. Um, I'm not that keen on them in business and most people aren't. Um, so that was what my goal has always been to make it really easy for people to, uh, to source artwork and to source really good quality artwork. Uh, so I only use the best products uh, if it's not more beautiful than the last piece that doesn't go out the door. Um, and it's got to be easy. They've got to know that I'm going to follow up. They've got to they've got to have good service. So I guess that comes from my marketing background, um, the business degree that I haven't yet completed, but I'm still doing a part time. Um, some few years later. Um, so that. Uh, that's really how I how I got to Asia, and then we just never left. And a lot of people go to Hong Kong just to visit and still find themselves there seven, ten, fifteen years later. And that was us. Right. So how how long is the uh, you know how long is the commute to fly from New Zealand to Hong Kong or Hong uh, Kong? So the it's, usually it's about fifteen hours door to door. Oh wow. Okay. Um, just uh, almost, uh, you know, it's it's quite, it's about 16 hours from New York to Hong Kong, so probably a little bit. About the same. Yes. Um, so knowing the, obviously you know firsthand the population density in Hong Kong, uh, was it difficult to find space to set up because Hong Kong is, uh, you know, populated, you know, there's a lot of uh, natural environment that is not developed, but a lot of people are packed into a small area. They are. Uh, which is one of the things I love about it. Uh, actually, that was really uh, because we, we met someone who was living out in Saikung, which is out in the New Territories. The, that was a no-brainer for us. That was with the Mackler House on our doorstep. That's uh, the trail that is run each year. It's a 100K race. Uh, as runners, um, my husband is also a keen runner, plus he mountain bikes. Um, it was a no-brainer that if we were moving there with our son, who at the time was just turned 12 months, uh, this was where we were going to be placed. Uh, it seemed for most Hong Kongers, Sai Kung's at the, uh, at the far end of the world, so the rent was a lot lower at the time. Uh, so that's where we based ourselves, and then I commuted in from Sai Kung to Central, uh, which was only an hour. <laughs> much easier than Auckland to Hong Kong um, and we started with one apartment for us and then an apartment for a studio and then a third apartment and uh, and kept ourselves out there. I guess the bonus is being a creative you can also work things a little differently. I didn't need a flashy office down in Hong Kong Central. Hey I could have had one but then if I'd had one with rents being as high as they were, I'd have to load the price of the artwork, and that's something that I really didn't want to do. Wow. So um, what was it like, you know, uh, trying to translate? Obviously, you had, you know, artwork in hotels and other, you know, exhibitions, but was there any, you know, culture shock when you tried to put in art? Did the Hong Kongers understand the concepts, or was it really placed in places where it's pretty... Uh, well understood what the art meant? At the, at the end of the day, when I was working with designers, uh, 
the culture in Hong Kong is without a doubt quite different to the culture in New Zealand or in Europe. But at the end of the day, when it comes to artwork, people know what they like and they know what they don't like. So it's the same as design. If you're working with a designer, I don't want to say the, the word formula, but there is a certain formula. So I, I know that in Hong Kong, uh, there are certain, from a feng shui point of view, there are certain elements I never include in a design. Uh, because there are certain concepts that are more attractive to people, whether they're young, old, black, white, male, female, it really doesn't matter who you are. I'm not looking to create controversial artwork. Right. I'm looking to create beautiful artwork. So for me, it's about the texture. It's about the light. It's about the beauty of the color. So that comes back to how I create it. Uh, you look at, so there are different mediums out there. There's acrylic, there's oil, there's canvas, aluminium, glass wood, there's so many different options. Uh, but for me, I build up the artwork, so I, I sketch the artwork first and then I then I put the texture on and it's usually heavily textured. Uh, and then I paint the finished piece in acrylic and then I paint it again in oil. And what that does is it means that the light comes through the oil, which is translucent, and hits the back and refracts off it. Uh, so, my artwork got a reputation within Asia because people could see there was just an extra depth of colour that wasn't necessarily available in all pieces. Um, and this was because all of my work is built up over numerous layers. There's usually no less than a dozen layers in any piece that I'm doing. And of course that means there's a dozen layers of colour that light is going through and then bouncing back at you. So it has a brilliance and a... And a beauty about it from a colour perspective and then there's a texture perspective because I want people to want to reach out and touch it. I want them to connect with it physically as well as visually. Um, and the joy of oils is, and some of the iridescent colours that I use, is that they also change depending on the time of day that you view the piece. So you might walk past it in a, in a lobby somewhere in the morning and it might have a certain softness to it. And then as you pass it in the afternoon when there's a sharper, brighter lights on and maybe afternoon sun, then there are other parts of the piece that are popping out at you. So that's also part of uh, my creation. So working with within the Hong Kong area or within the Asia area, they're looking for beauty. They're looking for colour, um, and that's what I that's what I create. So art, no. is art. Uh, yes. Now, my friends would say I'm not one for for being subtle, um, but in today's day and age, you don't want to offend, um, or we avoid offending. There are some amazing pieces and some amazing artists out there that are more computer, com, com, confrontational. Um, and personally, my artwork, I like to evoke a strong reaction. Um, the pieces that I collect in my own home are somewhat controversial, but those aren't the pieces that I create for my clients. Those are my personal pieces. Um, so art's art, but it's kind of not. 
Because if we go into a hotel, when we look behind the reception, there's a certain genre of art we don't want to see. You know, we don't want to be interrupted or assaulted visually. We want something that is calming and welcoming and, and beautiful. And that's that's the market that I fit into. Right. So besides, you know, your work in New Zealand and Hong Kong, where have you traveled to also do work? Have you been, have you ever been to New York since uh, declining that offer? So where have you been for work? I guess the question really is. Uh, where have I been for work? Uh, the question might be, where haven't I been for work? Um, so where have I been for work? I've had, uh, I've walked building sites uh, in my high heels in Pune in India wearing a, uh, a hard hat and carrying a, a uh, an iPad. Um, Mumbai, uh, London, I was recently up in uh, Frankfurt for an installation up there, um, America, um, New York, Washington, Boston, San Francisco, um, San Diego. The, the list is quite extensive. Um, I, some people would say you're lucky. I don't really believe in luck. I think we make our own luck. Um, uh, you wouldn't always call me lucky at 2am when I'm still up doing things. Um, but then I would because I really love what I do. So it's easy, um, it's easy to keep going when, when you're looking for a certain outcome, when you're, when you're driven by what you do. Um, so crossing time zones, um, missing, missing certain things for the kids. Uh, missing certain things for the kids is, is definitely the one of the most challenging about traveling for my work uh, I recently was able to uh, take my nine-year-old daughter with me on one of my Hong Kong trips and uh, she came into meetings with a with a notebook and, and took notes for me which was really kind of cool um, my work's in a lot of cities um, that said I'd like it to be in a lot more uh, so at the moment I'm developing a range of sculpture pieces that will be a limited edition uh, that people will be able to uh, get their hands on straight away uh, because I do have a lead time. And there's also, whether you're making music or, or making a design, there's a lot of heart and energy that goes into each new design. And, and to get it right can sometimes take an extraordinary amount of hours um, and it's not always lucrative. Uh, there are some pieces that I have worked for barely minimum wage on uh, because it's it's about getting it right and getting the feeling right and getting the, the vibe right and when you've got a boardroom full of people that are making the decision on the pieces that are going in the public spaces, that's a lot of personalities that you need to appease and a lot of different art tastes that you need to meet. Um, so the commercial side of me says, I've got mouths to feed um, and bills to pay. So we need to have some side hustles, don't we? We all do, and we should all get on it if we haven't. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, the money, money is not everything, but it's important because it makes the world go around, unfortunately. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And of course, the reality is that once you've got money too, it means that you can help others. You yeah. know, we, we can help others with time, but we're limited. There's only 24 hours in one day and there are so many pulls on so many people if you're whether you're within a, a family unit or whether you have parents or siblings or or the village that you're within we want to give back and sometimes actually financially can open up more doors and ways to give back right so you know what what are you currently working on if you're allowed to share that and what have you gotten you know, planned for the future? Oh, my plans are big. Um, my plans are my plans are big. It's just in terms of how you how you find during that time. Um, at the moment, I'm uh, working on a series of designs for a client in Madrid, um, and also working on some pieces for uh, some clients here in New Zealand, which is a, a nice change. I don't actually typically do a lot of work down here these days. Um, whilst also uh, working on some designs for a company that wants to release some limited edition rugs uh, that are made from my artwork design. So it's it's a really cool mixed bag at the moment. Um, that said, uh, I am starting this this range of pieces that that I want to make available that are limited edition uh, so that people can get their hands on things straight away. Um, I wish I could clone myself, to be honest, Leon. Um, although probably my husband doesn't think that. Um, yeah, specific projects I can't tell you about right now, unfortunately. Um, just uh, because until they're out there, as it is, even sometimes on my Instagram, the pieces have to be a week or a month or two behind um, to to allow for confidentiality. Um, I'm also working on keeping the, um, you know, I've got a nine-year-old and a 14-year-old, and, and my 14-year-old has got a, uh, a surging passion and ability with music as a singer and a, and a guitarist and a bass player. Um, so helping support him and help him kind of find his feet and get some leverage uh, in the music world is, is pretty cool to watch, you know, to watch these, these kids grow up. Uh, and just in between everything else, I've got a 160k road race that I'm, uh, I've got that I'm training for just in my spare time. So uh, if I'm not behind the brushes or on the ceramics and uh, you find me knees up on my bike uh, doing uh, doing the miles. So you're a pretty busy woman. Busy makes me happy, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Keeps you focused, keeps you motivated, keeps you going. Well, they say give a job to a busy woman, you know. It, uh, to me, it works. If I, if I didn't have too many things to do on my day, then I really wouldn't get too many done. Um, so, you know, lean in. One of the pieces of advice I was given when I first started my business was say yes to everything. I don't necessarily agree with that 100% because uh, you can get lost doing a lot, of, uh, a lot of things that you're not necessarily that good at. Right. Um, but I love to lean on. I love to do stuff. And 
you know, just like talking with yourself, it's it's great to meet new people. Everybody's got a story. Right. Um, and part of the reason why we travel as a family, we go to the lakes of Mongolia and Oman and um, you now we travelled into the, the into the depths of India when the kids have still been so young. Um, 40 of us in a, an overnight bed on a sleeper train to Varanasi um, is because life is a bad experience and, and we really can get so caught up in just getting through and and doing work for clients and not necessarily getting getting our hands dirty um, emotionally, as it were. So, yeah, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Is there anything else that, you know, I failed to ask or is there, any, is there anything else that you want to share to the listeners that we kind of left out? Let's be honest, Leon, I could talk forever and you probably don't want me to. So, <laughs> um, no, look, we're all, we're all good. Um, if, if anyone is out there listening and they're not quite sure whether they want to take the risk and, and become a full-time artist or what they could do to help themselves be more successful or to sell their artwork. Um, my piece of advice is uh, don't wait. The more you make, the better you'll become. Um, I have lost count of how many pieces that I've made. We're well and truly into the thousands, without a doubt. Um, although I may not always be so proud of the image within them, it's not always... Not that I'm not proud of it, it's just not always to my taste. It's not something I would hang in my home. I know that regardless of the design, I've always executed it to the best of my ability and with the best product possible, that when they come back to me in 10 or 15 years' time, if someone's, as someone did recently, it's been damaged when someone had moved it, could I do a small repair? I can still look at it and hold my hand on my heart and say that it's a, a really great piece of artwork, even if it isn't something that's necessarily my personal taste for where I'm at right now um, so with anyone going forward know that you have to give something up in order to get what you want so for me uh, at times I've given up time with my family in order to to work and burn the midnight oil to meet a tender deadline or to redo a painting because I'm not happy with it or to get the perfect line on a sculpture um, you have to give something up uh, and yes, we work smarter, not harder, but actually sometimes you just have to work hard. You know, you just have to put your, your head down and, and, and do the hours, you know, whilst everyone else is out there, you know, maybe relaxing on the beach or, or doing something else, you're slogging it out. But the rewards are there. Right. You get, you get what you give, right? You totally get what you give. Absolutely. And... Uh, and for me as well, it's not about selling upward, it's about meeting a need. So for me, it's people come to me because they've usually because they've got a problem visually and I help them with that visual problem, whether it's a, a 3D wall effect or a large scale sculpture or a, a large artwork or a multi-piece artwork. It's, for me, it's finding a solution for them. Um, but if artists are out there and they, and they only want to create one type of artwork, that's a little more challenging and therefore you, you might have to give up the fact you're not going to sell as many pieces and just be happy with that. Uh, you have to decide what it is that you want exactly. and only exactly. can you go for it. Well, you know, that's well said because I don't think 
everyone realizes sometimes that we have to really sacrifice and make compromises for the long run, for the long-term gains. Um, but uh, I mean, if, if you if you get me started, I think these days there's a there's a real sense of entitlement, uh, and I I know it's uh, it's it's even observed by my kids within their friend groups at such young ages. There's a, there's a lot of people out there that just expect things to happen or they expect to be able to buy it or to, why didn't I get it? Or I've always been told that I'm so great. You won't always, I mean, 99% of the time, I get no feedback. The feedback is I get no feedback. Um, and that's because the work has been accepted and it's good. The feedback comes at the next order. The feedback comes at the next referral. The feedback comes at the fact that I consistently have work. Um, it's not a constant ego brush, whereas uh, it seems to me as though there's more people, people's egos need propping up a lot more. Um, sometimes people say to me, oh, you know, I don't want to offend you, you know, but I don't like that. But I'm like, honey, you can't offend me. There is nothing you can say that can offend me, really. It, it, there is nothing you can say that I haven't heard when it comes to artwork. Um, it's kind of one of the bonuses of, of speaking Cantonese. I'm learning Mandarin. I speak German fluently, and clearly English is my first language. Is that I can overhear conversations um, and get the honest feedback, and that's what I want. Because if people don't tell me really what's wrong or what's right, particularly what's wrong, then I can't get better. Um, so often, part of my process is going back to the client afterwards and saying, "Is there anything I could have done better?" Uh, because it's only with that sort of feedback that I will get better. If I just just keep going and just do the same thing over and over, then it will just always I'll get the same result. But for me, I want more. So when I want more, I push. And uh, in Asia, because we've got high competition, we have to push in order to to stay. And I like that push. I like that. Uh, I like that push. Sometimes it's a little tiring. I must admit. But the majority of the time, I really like that push. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think you make a very good point about, you know, not being offended because the work that you you create is for the person that's make, making the purchase. So it's like, of course, of course, you have to cater to their to their wants and needs. Um, the work is for the audience. Right. And at the end of the day, I, I'm one person and, and it's not really my audience. It's my client's audience. It's whatever age group or demographic or type of person they've got coming into their environment. And that's what's key, that's what's important. And that's a mistake, to my mind, a lot of uh, commission artists and designers make, is that they're too busy trying to push their own concepts. They're too busy trying to push their own tastes and their own preferences and their own likes, that they're not listening. Um, and it's that old, we've got two ears and one mouth. You know, right now, obviously, I'm doing a lot of talking, but typically when I go into a meeting, I'm not. It's a lot of open-ended questions and a lot of listening and a lot of silence. Right. It's only that way I will hear what they've got to say. If I spend all the time telling them about what I think they should have, then I'm not hearing what they need or what they want. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, we had a very, you know, thorough discussion about, you know, your experiences early in your career and, you know, present and also potential future. Obviously, there's a lot of things you can't discuss due to confidentiality. But where can we reach you? Obviously, my listeners are mainly based in the United States, but if we're interested in yeah. checking out your artwork and um, your works, where can we reach you? 
where are some links that we can find? Okay, you? the best place to find me at the moment is Instagram. Uh, I'm just in the process of, of redoing the website uh, and not currently on Facebook. Uh, I think I'm going to stay off it just quietly. Um, Instagram's so great, you know, the, the pictures in there are often so pretty and uh, the feedback is super helpful because it's so current. Uh, so Instagram is the best way to get there and that's uh, Jane Mason Studios. Okay. Uh, now, when it comes to uh, people in the States, it sounds far away, but really it's not. I do site visits. You know, at the end of the day, sometimes the best way to make a connection, although the, these days with the advent of, of video Skyping and, and the likes of, it's easy to talk to people face to face. But sometimes there's nothing better than being on site. And if it's a large project, then that's the best thing for everybody. Sweet. You know, traveling is just uh, just time, but it's doable and by all means. You know, I offset it by the fact that my studio is a five-minute walk in my morning. So, you know, when I'm in Hong Kong or in New Zealand, the studio is five minutes away. So to do my trash, it just amortizes it. You know, if I amortize it across, it's not such a bad commute. Right. So I just want to thank you again for taking the time out of your day to uh, be on the podcast. I, I think it's something that I think you're the first artist that I have had on the podcast. I have a lot of different people from different walks of life, different backgrounds, but you're my, you're the first artist um, that has kind of their own company. And I'm, I'm very grateful for just finding time. We finally been able to do it. You know, it's uh, we all have busy schedules and. Uh, Really so I thank you, Ian. Hey, thank you. Thanks very much. Um, it's been great chatting with you, and uh, I hope your listeners get something out of it. If they've got any questions, they're more than welcome to DM me or they want any advice. I'm always absolutely so happy to help. Thank you, Jane. So, everyone, you know, you heard it first. You know, uh, check out Jane at Jane Mason Studios on Instagram. Um, and if you have any questions for her or you just want to just take a look at the artwork, please do so. I encourage it. Uh, thanks for tuning in to episode 27 of the Rewinding Minute. That's Take care. Thanks, See you later, everyone. Bye-bye.